BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Back in 2014, a damning state audit of four major universities in California concluded they simply weren't doing enough to prevent or respond to sexual harassment and violence. We'll get the full report card on what's changed in the years since. Do students feel safe, supported, like their well-being matters? And at 10.30, live singing is complicated during this pandemic because COVID-19 spreads through the air. Today, we'll talk to Bay Area singers employing a variety of strategies to sing safely. All that is next on Forum, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro, and today for Mina Kim. When the state auditor decided to take a closer look at sexual attacks at public universities in 2014, the office focused on four campuses, UC Berkeley, UCLA, Chico State, and San Diego State. Among the issues addressed, training, transparency, and accountability. The schools were told their progress would be monitored. Today, we'll hear how they're all doing with Adolfo Guzman-Lopez, higher education reporter at KPCC in Los Angeles and LAist.com, both in Southern California. So, Adolfo, thank you for joining us. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. What a story. You really went into depth here. And, you know, I, I thought I would start with the state auditor's comments to you, basically saying three of the four universities have fully implemented all of the audit's recommendations. Is that how you would describe it? Yeah. So what the uh, state auditor does is not only investigate uh, the workings of public institutions, but also monitors the progress on the recommendations uh, made. So um, a couple of months ago, I received an update on how those recommendations were going with the four universities that were audited. So um, all but uh, one university had um, UCLA had fully implemented these recommendations that have to do with training and also with transparency of these policies having to do with uh, sexual assault and sexual violence on campus. So just to remind people, this is a matter of law. Title IX requires schools uh, to have grievance procedures for students, uh, to have something in place when they file complaints of, of sexual harassment or violence. 
Title IX is often thought of as uh, the, the federal regulation that's opened up sports, women's sports, which it has, right? But it also, um, you know, uh, prohibits uh, discrimination uh, at educational institutions based on sex. And so right around 2013, there was a lot of attention to that because for several years before, student activists and faculty advocates uh, really across the country had been uh, taking their administrations to task saying that the policies that they had in place were either not followed or that the process to investigate sexual assaults was really substandard. I had quite a few people tell me that at the time um, people found guilty of sexual assault were given as punishment book reports to do, that investigations were unclear, and that they were not centered on the, the victim of the assault, the survivor of the assault, really sensitive to, to that person's needs. So, so Title IX was used as, as the, the federal law to, to, to make some of these changes happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm still taken with uh, one person who told you Quote, I'm still not entirely sure where the information goes, where the reports are filed, what they do when it's over, who knows the specific details about what happened to me. And this is not somebody, by the way, speaking all those years ago. This is somebody speaking recently. That's 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 one of the key things here is that um, I think I think we have to explain have to explain that when a person goes through some kind of sexual violence, sexual assault, uh, and is a college student, and they come forward to the university, to the Title IX office, um, they their name is no longer confidential in terms of, of, of an investigation. So that office begins an investigation. And, you know, back, back in 2014, the state auditor said that universities weren't being weren't being transparent enough to to the students about how the process works so they recommended not only making the um making the policies more visible on campuses but also explaining to the people who came forward and filed these complaints okay this is this is these are the steps step one step two step three this is what's likely going to happen and you're right, um, Laura Knittig, a UCLA student who graduated uh, uh, a little over a year ago, told me that when she filed uh, a complaint to UCLA about um, sexual assault well, after she was sexually assaulted, that she went through the process. And, and not only were the notifications kind of insensitive to um, her schedule as a student and were very rough for it was very tough for her to continue her studies, but yeah, that she didn't know where all this information was going. So that that suggested a, um, you know, a gap. UCLA replied that they're doing that 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 uh, it's a priority for them to uh, to deal with sexual assaults on campuses and to make their um, to make their policies transparent. One of the things I, I was really taken by uh, in your report. Uh, was the, the sort of caginess you found on a number of campuses, you know, uh, not really wanting to do the surveys, uh, the student surveys, the staff surveys that might tell them, you know, what the numbers in terms of rape and dating violence look like now, wh how people feel about the process, about the training, about the policies in place, uh, kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation. Yeah. Well, and this speaks to the 
one of the biggest questions, public policy questions, is how big is the problem, right? So this speaks to that. How do, how do we know how big the problem is? Well, you know, there are these yearly mandated reports that colleges and universities have to file uh, where they report not only the crimes uh, on campuses, uh, such as theft and burglary, but also uh, 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 violence against women, right? So dating violence, rapes, that sort of thing. But that only counts the people coming forward to the university. It is widely understood that very few people uh, who this happens to, sexual assault, sexual violence, happens to come forward to the institution, to police, right? So we can't really rely on, on those Cleary Act reports of colleges and universities to give us a sense of how big the problem is. So what's left are these, these surveys that not, that, that let's see, that a minority of universities do. These, these are extensive surveys. UC Berkeley has done one, USC has done one, um, Cal State, uh, Chico State has done one, San Diego State has done three of these. And these are really nuanced surveys, which ask uh, how often has a non-consensual uh, sexual act happened to you? Unwanted kissing, touching, uh, all the way to, to rape. And, uh, you know, the ones I looked at, these surveys that I looked at, had everywhere from kind of around 6% to up to 30% of, of people who responded to these surveys saying that this kind of thing had happened to them. So, um, yeah, some, some universities are still not doing these. And the people I talk to say, well, as, a, as an administrator, how can you carry out policies if you don't have data about how big this problem is? What you don't, uh, what you don't look at, what you don't count, you can't really begin to address. Well, we've got now Adolfo, uh, another voice on the line to talk with us uh, this half hour. Jennifer Wagman, assistant professor in the Department of Community Health Sciences at UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health. Professor, thank you for being online. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, so so I, I take it that, you know, this is a topic you've been thinking about for some time. Uh, can you tell me how you feel about this, the situation at UCLA? Is, is this a campus you would feel comfortable uh, sending a young person to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as Adolfo said, yeah, UCLA is one of the campuses that hasn't um, done an assessment of what the campus climate is with regard to sexual violence and sexual harassment. So um, kind of hard for me to, to answer that question, to be honest with you, with regard to safety pertaining to these issues, because we really don't know what's going on on the campus. Boy, is that distressing. Uh, Adolfo, do you have a sense of whether things are getting better at private schools? Um, there have been improvements at some of the private schools, uh, mostly because, you know, they've also been compelled uh, to make some, some improvements. So, you know, going back to this period of 2000, you know, six or seven years ago, the United States, the Obama administration had a task force on, on college sexual violence, made its recommendations. The Obama administration's uh, Department of Education, through its Office of Civil Rights, engaged in investigating the opened investigations into uh, 
campuses sexual assault policies. These these campuses included uh, UC Berkeley, USC, uh, Occidental College, which is a small liberal arts college in uh, just uh, east of downtown LA. And, and so there were, through that federal investigation process, they were, there were changes, there were reforms. And so, yeah, there, um, there have been some improvements at some of the private colleges and universities, too. Uh, Professor, you know, you're quoted in Adolfo's article saying faculty don't know what it means to be a mandated reporter. So instead of trying to figure that one out, most people just avoid it. Uh, uh, is that how you feel uh, accurately that things are like now? Yes, um, I do. I think, you know, most most of us don't understand the whole Title IX process and the whole process in, way, in which incidents of sexual violence are handled or responded to. And I think, you know, even people who are lawyers and um, in the field of criminal justice often say that the Title IX process is extremely difficult to understand. So through both our research as well as my own just personal experiences, we have found um, that faculty as well as staff and students really don't understand what the mandated reporting requirements are or frankly, what is needed in terms of what, what the options are for reporting. We're talking about how college campuses in California are handling cases of sexual violence. I'm joined by Adolfo Guzman Lopez, higher education reporter at KPCC and LAS.com in Southern California, as well as Jennifer Wagman, assistant professor in the Department of Community Health Sciences at UCLA. Do you work at or attend a California college campus? How has this issue impacted you and your colleagues or peers? Where would you like to see more support on this issue? Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. You're listening to Forum, and we're talking about how California campuses address sexual harassment and violence with KPCC reporter Adolfo Guzman Lopez. This is an issue that affects all of us, whether we are potential students, potential faculty, family members. Give us a call with your story or your concern at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook, all the recommended channels. Adolfo, System administrators told the auditor's office all the campuses were directed to comply with the audit's recommendations and that each would be monitored for compliance. Were 
state officials, state system officials at UC and Cal State watching these campuses? You know, it, it, it's unclear to me, and that's a that's a part of the, the story that, uh, you know, I didn't get into as much as I wanted to. It's unclear to me how much, uh, you know, the the UC president, the Cal State chancellor, and those offices are really holding uh, their campuses uh, to account. You know, I, I do have to say that there's a lot of autonomy that the system chiefs give to the individual campuses. Um, so, so that, yeah, that, that part is unclear. Although, as you said, these are directives that the heads of the UC and the Cal State systems have given the, um, the campuses. So, you know, it's, it, they have to comply with these. Professor Wagman, uh, you know, you, it, it sounds like what we're seeing here is a, is a general situation of, I, I guess I, I keep going back to this phrase, don't ask, don't tell, that, that there isn't a, a desire at any level to really know what the scope of the problem is and, and to, you know, honestly assess whether the systems and policies in place are enough. Yeah, that's a great point. And kind of going off of what Adolfo said, um, I think it's really complicated in the UC system in particular, because um, as he mentioned, each of the different campuses have autonomy um, with regard to making decisions about what kind of research is done on campuses. So it's honestly really hard for me to to say um, what the level of interest is in doing um, an assessment. I think that our Office of the President is really um, interested in seeing it happen, but wary of mandating that campuses do it um, because that tends to, to breed a feeling of, you know, not being forced to do something uh, without having the, making the decision, make, making the decision on your own. Uh, Adolfo, you, I'm wondering if you feel heartened by anything in in your deep dive here. I mean, it it did seem to me reading this that that you you see this wonderful community of advocates and uh, nonprofit organizations attached to these campuses that are keeping a fire lit under these questions and and also supporting students in ways that the campus administrators may not be. So, so I am heartened for a couple of reasons. Um, my story focused mostly on San Diego State and UCLA, mostly because KP, they're within Southern California, KPCC's listening a- area. Um, I was, um, you know, from San Diego State, I got a very strong sense from the faculty. I talked to the Women's Studies Department and also the, the Title IX administrator there former students who I talked to who were around in 2014, who, you know, kind of organized protests to push the administration to make changes that that campus really has, you know, brought together, you know, faculty, students, administration, various, you know, groups to come up with these solutions, right, to reduce sexual violence on campus uh, and that sort of thing. Um, UCLA has also has some very encouraging um you know, work going on. Um, Professor Wagman um, is engaging in if it's it's not quite a survey like the other universities done, but her own research to find out how big the problem is. I also heard from students at UCLA who started their own independent group um, to uh, put together videos on on consent to explain consent, which begs the question: Well, if 
if they have to do it, why isn't is does that mean the university is not doing enough of that? And and also um, some students who are going to faculty and saying to to faculty, hey, could you please include um, Title IX information, where to report resources for sexual assault victims in your syllabus? Um, and some of the faculty have done it. Not uh, not all faculty have done it. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier about you know the mandating, or there was a discussion earlier about the mandating of of these changes on the campuses. It was, there was a there was a state bill that came really close to doing that. Not only at the UCN Cal State systems, but at the private colleges, mandating these some of these changes that uh, that the the auditor um, recommended. But Governor Jerry Brown vetoed uh, vetoed the bill. Um, so so that's where we're at now. That's right. You know, you mentioned that he said in his veto statement, uh, uh, college campuses are already required to have clear policies and procedures in place to deal with these reports. Uh, Just a remarkably tone deaf uh, expression there. Uh, One listener writes, I went to college years ago, and I'm glad that this issue is being taken seriously. Back in the day, I remember so many stories of women who were dismissed when they brought complaints to administrators. It's time for change, and I'm glad for this for my own college-aged kids. Uh, Richard writes, the idea that a faculty member can avoid reporting is a fallacy. A faculty member who hears about something must report. On the campus where I work, we have a special employee who takes these allegations and investigates them. We are obligated to report. There is no discretion to avoid. Well, that's a heartening thought. You know, as we as we round to a close here, I'm wondering, Adolfo and Jennifer, if, if you can tell us what hopes you have uh, for federal direction from from the Biden administration now that we're seeing a transition at the White House? Well, you know, a lot of advocates were were disheartened that uh, Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Education, kind of rolled back some of some of the reforms that the Obama administration had carried out. So they're they're waiting to see, you know, what what, you know, Joe Biden does uh, as president and in his um Secretary of Education, so that, that that that's left to be seen. Professor, yeah, to build on that, I think so many people are very optimistic about having the Biden Harris administration um, because Joe Biden was certainly at the forefront of the Violence Against Women Act, as well as the White House Task Force on addressing campus-based sexual assault. So. Um, we're very, very positive about the changes that will be coming up under this new administration. Well, uh, sober, sober reflection this morning. And and I uh, appreciate uh, that you have been keeping a light shining on this question, Adolfo. Uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us to talk about how college campuses in California have been handling cases of sexual harassment and violence. You've been listening to Adolfo Guzman Lopez, higher education reporter at uh, KPCC and LAIS.com in Southern California, as well as Jennifer Wagman, assistant professor in the Department of Community Health Sciences at UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Rachel. You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.